I don't know if you needed forgiveness. Um, I don't know if anybody here ever had to be forgiven of any sin. I don't know if anyone here was born in iniquity from their mama's womb. Um, I don't know if anyone shared in Adam's sin. I don't know if anyone here recognizes that you have been forgiven much. Um, you know, um, when the lady worshiped Jesus at his feet, uh, cats around her started saying, Jesus, you are, if you knew what kind of woman that was, if you was really a prophet, if you really knew God, you'd get shorty up, you know what I'm saying? And Jesus was like, um, I will not stop her because she understands forgiveness better than you do. Because, see, they who were forgiven of much, wish I had some help right there, is thankful for much. And the only, see, people don't celebrate being forgiven who don't recognize how wretched they was. But when you recognize that you were separate from God, alienated from the life of God, and that he forgave you of all of your sins, past, present, and future, wrath was abating, contracts out on your life, court system ready to lock you up, probation officers after you, SWAT team coming after you, the building is surrounded and you know you're guilty and you're standing in there with your gat and you recognize, you say, listen, I'm guilty and you drop everything and you can't, see, I came out with my hands up saying, go ahead and take care of me because I, but, 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 but when I got to the courtroom, I had a good public defender. I wish I had some help. I had a good public, I'm about to preach right now. I had a good public defender, and my public defender had a good cross-examination uh, uh, for, my, for my sake, and, and he began to develop my case. But what, what was interesting about my case is he didn't talk about my case. He presented himself as the case. And the Exhibit A was a cross. Exhibit B was a body. Exhibit C was some blood. And, and as that got presented, oh, my God, I wish... I wish I had I, 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 that, that, that the judge was sitting in front, and as the judge saw the wrath that he wanted to bring down on my head because of all of the evidences against us, he said, because of the evidence given by, uh, by the defense's counsel, case dismissed. This person is given full freedom and a pardon. And so that's what I'm excited about. How many of you excited about that? I'm excited to be forgiven. And so that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. I want to bless God for a few things um, as we get started. I want to bless God. Sister Harriet is doing well. Yeah. yeah, man. Open heart surgery. That's no joke. That's no joke. And God graced her and Pastor Larry to face those odds. When, some, when, your, when your wife is sick or your spouse is sick, you are almost as sick as them um, because you, you, they carry the burden of going through it, but you also go through it with them if you really love your spouse. And so, Pastor Larry, we've been praying for you guys. We prayed for you guys last Sunday. Great to see how you shepherd your wife, loving on your wife, being there for your wife. That's a good thing. Um, um, and um, Sister um, Stephanie is doing well. She had surgery Friday. Um, she's doing well. She's recovering. And so, again, we, we're excited to see what God is doing in the lives of people as they, as they go through turmoil and still bless his name and still see him as good. Um, that's a very, very important thing. When you go through something that you don't understand, you know that there's a God above you that understands and that you trust the fact that he's good and his mercy endures forever. Um, 
I think that's it that I need to say today before we get into the text. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. We, we're, we're in um, Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 5 through 73. I'm not going to read all those verses. I know y'all are depressed because I'm not. But I'm not going to read all of those verses like I did last time. Pastor Larry was looking at me like, Pastor E, what are you doing? Um, we're going to read some of these verses. <laughs> um, we're going to read some of these verses and um, just zoom in on, even though we're going to deal with the entire text, um, I, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to read sections of it. Is that okay? Okay, let's, let's look at verses. Um, let's start with verses 5 through 7. It says, then my God. Chapter 7, Nehemiah, chapter 7, verse 5. Then my God put in my heart, say put in my heart, to assemble the nobles and the officials and the peoples to be enrolled by the genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up at first, and I found written in it. These were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. They returned, into, they returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. A next part of that verse, the number of the men of the people of Israel. Then it goes through that. Now, it goes through that from verses 7 through verse 38. Look at verse 38a, the priest. Look at verse 30, uh, 43 the Levites, verse 46, the temple servants, verse uh, 57, the sons of Solomon's servants, um, verse 61, the following are those who came up from Telmalach. Look down at verse 64. These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but it was not found there, so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until a priest with Urim and uh, Thummim should arise. Verse 66, the whole assembly together was 42,360 people. Verse 70, uh, now some of the heads of the father's houses gave to the work. Um, the governors gave. Look down at verse 73. The, uh, so, uh, so the priests the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple uh, uh, servants, and all Israel lived in their town. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel, the people of Israel were in their towns. I'd like to talk about today from this text. Um, this is our State of the Church address today. We'll be talking about um, rebuilt through the guidance of God, rebuilt through the guidance of God. Father, we Honor you, thank you, for your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. Speak to us, Lord. Give us a trajectory. Give us richness. Give us depth of heart in our mind and our spirit in order to get in line in what you've called us to do, to be guided by you and your principles. And those means of grace that you've distributed into our lives to be utilized as ways to zoom us in, to grow in you, and grow in your mission. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that, Sarah? You may be seated. You may be seated. Today is our State of the Church Address. We do this every year. A State of the Church Address is kind of just a time in which we talk through and work through where we have been either in the past year or two, 
and, and, and what it looks like to move forward. And, and God providentially, through his mercy, gave us wisdom, gave us wisdom um, with this text coming up um, it, it, for us to kind of walk through where Nehemiah is dealing with the state of affairs um, in uh, Jerusalem and in Judah with the people of God. As you know, we've been going through this series on Rebuilt to Build. And one of the things that we've seen in this, in this series is we've seen the Lord rebuilding uh, 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 everything and putting everything in place for them to be able to honor and represent his name on planet Earth. It's on an individual level. It's on a family level. It's on a community level, and it's on a world level. God has called his people to represent his name on planet Earth. Amen, somebody. He's, he's called us to be strict representatives of him, to show him off. However, in order to do that, there has to be some rebuilding that takes place. There has to be some rebuilding that takes place. And this rebuilding is more than just stuff you do for God, but what God does to you. Let me say that again. It's more than what you do for God. It's what God does in you. And so in this passage of Scripture here, as God's grace is seen through it, although it's a genealogy, and I know some of you are like, what in the world are we going to talk about out of these Scriptures right here? Well, I believe that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that every word from God, is it was God-breathed and profitable for doctrine. So there's nothing in the Bible that is written for nothing. Amen, somebody. Every word from God, Jesus says, every jot and tittle, listen, listen, listen heaven and earth will pass away before it, the, the slightest stroke of the pen uh, of the word of God passes away. So I believe in every word that God has said. I, we believe here in the inerrant word of God, that the word of God is without error in its original manuscripts, and we believe that reality, and we believe that it's properly been translated and transmitted for our transformation. Amen, somebody. So here we go here in this section, which brings us to our first point on rebuilt through the guidance of God. Rebuilt through the guidance of God. If you're going to be rebuilt through the guidance of God, number one, number one, you must have spirit-led sensitivity. Spirit-led sensitivity. Now, 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 we're going to talk about this as a church, but we're going to look at it through the leadership of Nehemiah, but then we're going to point consistently to Jesus. Jesus is always the hero. And so, 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 so but here in this text, Nehemiah, I, I like what Nehemiah says. It, it, you, you can kind of pass it by and get bogged down to, to the genealogy. But the first few things that I had you repeat, it, it, it says in the text, it says, it says, then my God put into my heart. I like that. Let's start right there. I like the fact that he calls him my God. Because in the Old Testament, that was very, very important uh, 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 language. It wasn't just language to pass by. When you say my God, there, there, there was a sense of ownership of a covenantal relationship with God. Um, um, there, there's a sense of ownership. I, I, it's very, very important in our lives if we're going to be guided by God. We have to take ownership of our relationship with God. Wish I had help there. And in other words, when, when, when we talk through the idea of taking ownership of that relationship with God, that means you live in a consistent reality that you're in a covenant. And recognizing that you're in a covenant, a covenant is a legally binding agreement between two or more people. Here in this text, my God, Lord Yahweh, is seen as the covenant-keeping God who calls people into covenant with himself and in calling us into covenant, a legally binding agreement or a relationship, that means that both sides take responsibility for covenantal responsibility. 
And, and, so, and so when he says, my God, he says, I'm in a relationship with God. Real simple. I have a covenant, not some document that, that, that a judge sent out for me to do community service and I relate to it as let me get this done. But we're talking about an enjoyable agreement. We're, we're talking about an intimate agreement between God and man by which Nehemiah is acknowledging that he is um, a part of. But, but, but this, this is interesting because he does something next. He said, he laid it or placed into my heart. This is good right here. Well, I'm, 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 because this means that Nehemiah was living in a constant state of openness to the voice of God. See, that's very, very important if you're going to be guided by the Lord. You, 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 if you notice the trajectory of Nehemiah's life from chapter 1, you see that there was a lot of talking and engagement with the living God. As soon as something happened, he didn't go gossip about it. He didn't go. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't go uh, send letters out. Or in his day, in our day, would have been emails and tweets and Facebook. He didn't do that. See, uh, see, some of us go to everybody else with the first thing on our mind. But I like the way Nehemiah went before God with the first thing that was on his mind and on his heart. So here, when it talks about him, God laying on his heart, if this is all it means. All it means is that he was consistently open to God, and that that his heart laid sensitively bear before the Lord consistently so that he knew that when God was talking to him, he knew that he was talking to him, and he can properly respond to that. In the New Testament principle, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, around the 20th, 19th to 20th verse, it talks about pray without ceasing. Say pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing means to be in an, in an open, interactive dialogue with the living God. Let, let me see if I can make it plain. Um, say you call somebody on the phone, and you accidentally... Uh, left the phone on, you thought you pushed in, but you didn't. Then you start talking about them, right? And they didn't hang up yet. Then they say, hello, hello? You're like, ah, oh my God, I can't believe that the phone was still on, right? Why, why, why? Because if you knew that the line was still open, there were some things you wouldn't have said. There's some things that you wouldn't have done. Why? Because the line of communication was still open. Well, that's what it means to be in a relationship with God through Christ in this way, led by God's God. That means having an open dialogue so that you recognize that God is in the room. That means you don't put God in the room. Nobody puts God anywhere. God is already everywhere. He's been everywhere before any of us were anywhere or in existence. So because he's everywhere, we exist in the reality that he always was, that he is, and he will be. And that's, that's a great reality for us to live in. And as Nehemiah is looking at this, he starts talking about the fact that God placed on his heart. Well, why is God placing something on your heart very, very important? Because the devil can place stuff on your heart too. Now, I'm not exalting the devil, but it's in the Bible. First Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 talks about, And Satan, or the adversary, or Shatan, lifted up the heart of David to number the people. Now, when you look in this text, it's talking about, and God put it in my heart to number the people. Now, you see a dichotomy because Nehemiah's numbering of the people was, was for his own, I mean, da, uh, uh, David's numbering of the people was for his own heart's exaltation to know his military strength. Um, like some preacher today, now how many folk you got, doc? You know, that's what he wanted, right? But, but what's interesting is that Nehemiah, God, God acted upon him for missiological reasons and glorification reasons to actually number the people for the execution of his mission in the world. Now, why do we have this reality here? Because, because this chapter is about an inventory. Say inventory. Well, every now and then, the people of God need to do an inventory of what's available. 
um, who's available and what does God want us to do with what is available. That, that's what this genealogical chapter is about. As we go through, you will see it talking about the three waves. Uh, uh, there will be eventually three waves. All three waves didn't happen yet, but there was, there was Ezra led a wave of people. Zerubbabel led a wave of people from Babylon, I mean from uh, Persia, and, 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 um, and Nehemiah led a wave of people. Of these people, there was, a, there was a cluster, a massive amount of the people of God that came, but everyone didn't come back. And so now, after they've rebuilt the wall, y'all check it with me? And they've rebuilt the wall. Now that the wall is rebuilt, the city needs rebuilding. The city needs developing. Um, the city needs to be uh, 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 revamped and uh, uh, properly gentrified with the people of God to be a community of communities in it and to be a platform to show off who the Lord Yahweh is. And so in light of that reality, now they're working on it. And Nehemiah was led by God to say, what's in place here? What's in place here for me to functionally be glorified through my people? That's very, very important, and I believe it's key in what God has called us to do. And that's why we believe we want to be led by the guidance of God, by a community of people, a spirit-led community or a spirit-filled community. What is a spirit-filled community? A spirit-filled community uh, 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 is, is to be spirit-filled um, means that you're under the control of the Holy Ghost. Let me say that again. To be spirit-filled mean that the Holy Ghost has your attention. Now, if, if, now, let's say God is laying stuff on all of our hearts. Because there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, there shouldn't be schisms and divisions because of that. But what should it be? There should be a oneness of mind intent on the same purpose based on Jesus. So what I'm praying for, what I'm believing God for, is a unified, spirit-led community where God consistently through all of his means of grace speaks to us and challenges us and leads us in his direction. And so in light of that, this is not merely for Nehemiah, but this is for us as well. Jesus lived a spirit-led life. The Bible says, and the spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's crazy to me. But what's interesting enough is when you, I, I didn't mean to say this. I was supposed to move on to the stuff for the state of the church. But when you're led by God, God will lead you places that you don't think he's leading you, but he's leading you to, I don't know who that's for today. But, but, but God is leading you some places, and, you, and, and, and matter of fact, it's funny. The Holy Spirit led him to be tempted into the wilderness without anybody else with him, out of community for a temporary season for some stuff to happen to him so that when he got back in the community, he was locked and loaded for ministry. Dag, I got to move. But, but I, I didn't mean to say that, but, but, but Lord, help me that we would be a spirit-led people for God's mercy and God's grace. Next point, because we had stated the church address. This is not supposed to be preachy. Next, 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 next point. Next point. Uh, uh, a deeper, this is going to spend most of our time on this one before we get into our section um, on, on, on our state of the church stuff specifically, but we want to be faithful to the scriptures. Deeper, deeper uh, a deeper community formation. If we're going to be rebuilt through the guidance of God, we have to have deeper community formation. Uh, um, th this is very, very important because now in the text, Nehemiah is, is, is trying to find out who's who in the Bible or in, in the people of God in this text. Now, when you look at verse um, 6, he says, these were the people of the province who came out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, 
uh, the king of Babylon had carried into exile. So now he's, num- he's laying out who actually are the people. And this is not an exhaustive list by any means because later the Bible will say in verse 66 that it were 42,000 people. He couldn't put 42,000 names in here. But he, over- but he covers the households, right? So all the names aren't here, but the households are covered if you do your addition and multiplication properly. Now, he goes down and not only does he talk about the, uh, in verse, the end of verse 7, he says the number of the men of the people of Israel, okay? Now, the men are numbered, the women aren't numbered, but they're included. Then it says, verse 39, the priests. Verse 43, the Levites. Verse 46, the, the temple servants. And verse 57, uh, the, ser- uh, the sons of Solomon's servants. These sons of Solomon's servants were probably, that sounds like a Stephen the Levite line, the sons of Solomon's servants. I don't know why that made me think of rapping. But anyway, sons of Solomon's servants, that's good alliteration, um, it, it, it's interesting here that these are Gentiles. Now, now I want to talk about missiology in a second, but this is very, very important. These were Gentile people who were serving under Solomon's rule when he unlawfully actually got slaves, which he's not supposed to do. He can hire workers, but not slaves. But he hired slave laborers among the people of God and among the Gentiles to help build the temple and the city. So these people are now in the midst of the people of God. Stay with me because all of this is going to come together. Now, you see down in verse 61, it says, the following were those who came up from Tel Malah. Now, look down in verse 64. It's coming together. These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but it was not found there. So they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. Now, check this out. So now, what we're seeing here, as they are doing community formation, which is very, very, very important, they begin, he begins running through, who is the covenant community? Who is a member here and who's an attender in Israel? Okay? He, 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 he wants to know who, who is actually a covenant representative of God that we're supposed to be locked and loaded with to represent God's reign. See, see, that's what we need here. We, 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 I mean, again, we're not mad at anybody that attends, but, but what we need in this season is we need a deeper level of community formation and commitment. In other words, we need to go beyond being a museum of a church. We need to go beyond just being a people that people like to come and experience some stuff at, but, but we need to become an actual functioning, unified, devil-destroying, neighborhood-impacting, world-transforming community. And that only happens when you are identifiable. In other words, it's, it's difficult to understand and work out your salvation if you aren't among the people who have been saved by Jesus' salvation. In other words, um, 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 if you are unfruitful, for 2 Peter chapter 1 says, it says you will be nearsighted and blind and forgotten your former cleansing from your former sins. In other words, no matter what season of your life that you're in, you don't have the right to be by yourself. So that, 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 means, now, that means now a commitment, let me, let me say this, a commitment-phobic people <laughs> must get this real quiet in church today. All right. Um, um, there needs to be a lack of commitment phobia. First, a commitment phobia to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. That, that's the first one. Because some of y'all in here ain't saved. And I'm not mad at you. But I, we want to preach Jesus Christ. We implore you be born again. But then some of y'all are saved but y'all are back row believers. What'd that mean? That means I come in during praise and worship, and I leave after benediction. Amen. Um, you don't even put up your finger. You're gone. And nobody sees you until the next week. But that's not what the community of the church is supposed to be. 
Um, the community of the church is supposed to be a people who are being formed by God and formed together. Let me say that again. Uh, people that are being formed by God and formed together. So Nehemiah is doing a census, and that's what we need to do in this ministry, a census. Uh, not consensus, that's different, um, because we follow God. We, we don't follow consensus, we follow his senses. But, 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 we need, but we need people who are on the squad. Amen, somebody. And that you say, I'm a part of the team. Um, um, matter of fact, if you are a basketball player in the NBA and you got drafted on the team, it's nice to get a check, but you do want some game time. And I'm just saying, I'm hoping for some game time believers, not no bench warmers. Um, so, and, so, and, so, and so that's what Nehemiah, that's what Nehemiah is calling us to. Nehemiah, God is calling us to, through Nehemiah, a need to have monstrositous community formation. But not only did they do community formation in relation to who are the congregants of the, uh, of the people of God, because, because this is very important, but, but not just congregants of the people of God, but then, but then also the leadership. Say leadership. Now, when you look at the, the, the passage, it talks about uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Aaronic priesthood. It talks about the Levitical priesthood. Um, it not only talks about the, the Levitical priesthood, um, but, it, but it talks about, but it also talks about uh, um, 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 uh, the temple servants and so forth and so on. In other words, they were supposed to lead in the community formation of the people of God. Y'all still tracking with me? This is important. Now, I'm going to lay out some things that are tools and means of grace of what, what the priest was to, to do in order to make sure that there's proper community formation. Stay with me. I know it's stated the church address. Just stay on, stay on with me. First thing we look at is instruction. Say instruction. You got to have some instruction. We're going to talk about that next week when we get in chapter 8. I can't wait to get in that joint when they got in the scriptures. You know what I'm saying? I like that one, right? But, 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 but it, it means biblical preaching and teaching. That, that means we preach Bible. And that, that's, what, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be in the doggone Bible, not preaching ourselves, but Christ and him crucified. Now, in their preaching of the Bible, it was messianic, meaning central to this instruction was the coming of the Messiah. That was very, very important. What does that have to do with us? Because we preach that Christ came, we preach that Christ is coming again. And so in their instruction there in Israel, they were to make sure, the Levites were making sure that there was proper biblical instruction and guidance. So a ministry must have the infrastructure of this. If guys are off on illustrations for two hours and, video, you know, showing Charlie Brown on Sunday morning and carrying on, that's not biblical preaching, okay? You know what I'm saying? We, 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 this is not a circus. This is not a place of buffoonery, but this is a place of the glorification of God. Amen, somebody. So, so we're going to preach Bible. We're going to preach it. We're going to preach it in season. We're going to preach it out of season. We're going to retort. We're going to rebuke with great patience and instruction. So we, we gonna, the word is going to be doggone preached. Um, um, we are going to not only preach the word but make decisions based on the word. Uh, um, we're not going to throw scriptures at stuff because some of y'all are scripture throwers. Um, but we need some scripture flowers. I wish I had some help. And so, and, so, and, so, and, so, and so instruction needs to be an important part of the ministry, right? Sacrifice. Oh! That made me squall right there, sacrifice. Lord, have mercy. You need to see sacrifice is a part of the system that they are in. Now, sacrifice ultimately appoints to Christ in everything. Their peace offerings, Yom Kippur, all of these different things pointed, and all of this is going somewhere because it's going to our state of the church stuff. So trek with me. Y'all still trekking with me? All right, all right. Point, uh, so, so pointing to Christ in everything, right? Um, confession and repentance is a part of sacrifice. Let me say that again. Confession 
And repentance is part of sacrifice. He who confesses and forsakes a matter will find favor. So when we look at the scriptures, um, God is faithful. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There can't be biblical fellowship with God and one another. I didn't say relationship. I said fellowship, even though you come into a relationship with God through confession and repentance. And guess what? Your relationship with God has maintenance through confession and repentance. So confession means admitting everything. Repentance means turning from everything that you admitted. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's, that's all. And, and so, 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 so if you don't, you can't just say, I, I did it. I'm wrong. All right. You know what I'm saying? That's, not, that's, conf, that's barely confession, but um, it's confession. I mean, actually, it's not confession. It's admitting. It's different. And so, and so confession means the vomiting of the heart of sin. Oh, I wish I had time to just preach that. But, 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 but I got to keep going, y'all. Y'all got to stop it. I got to keep going. All right, repentance, repentance. And so, and so that's a part of a worshiping community. That means we repent before God and we repent to one another. That's what the system was set up when they regionally set up the priests. If you look in the last verse, verse 73, it says that they were dispersed out of all of those regions. That means that they had small communities all over the region of Judah and Jerusalem to, throughout the land of Israel where there were outposts of all of these things that we're talking about through community formation and small group community where there was worshiping community and churches, if you will, throughout their region. Conversions. Let me say that again. Conversions. That means people going from spiritual death to spiritual life. If we don't have people that trust Jesus, we're not a healthy church. So, so, so therefore, you'll see here in the text this hospitality, which we'll talk about later on, is a part of the Levirate law where people didn't glean the edge of their land and let sojourners and strangers come through and eat off of it. So as they ate, they, got the, they, they, they didn't do that part of the land. And then some of the offerings that were given were also given for strangers. And what's beautiful by God's grace is people met Yahweh. And that's what we need to do. In other words, in their lives, through the, through the priests, it was built into the system of their lives rhythms of engagement of lost people. And so that's what we have to have to be, have deeper community formation. We have to have built into the rhythms of our life an evangelistic or missional flair. Are y'all still trekking with me? All right. So um, next in deeper, uh, deeper community formation, shepherding. Say shepherding. Shepherding is what they did, guidance. In other words, get direction. There are times in the journey of the people of God in which by yourself with your relationship with God, your guidance got stunted. Therefore, leadership was put in place as a way to help facilitate your guidance becoming more clear. And so that's why the priests were there. Not only that, but then counseling. Say counseling. Now, some of y'all don't know it, but you need it. Some of us, uses, um, you know what I'm saying, we don't like counseling, you know, so we got to call it something else. But, but counseling... <laughs> But counseling, but counseling, counseling is at a specific crisis point in your life that you can't get beyond. You need somebody to look over in and through your life to help you to navigate those things to be discipled in a particular area at a particular point in time through scripture in that particular place in your life. And so, and so that's what this shepherding was put in place for. That's, and, and we'll talk about all of the ways in which this looks in a second. But y'all, we're just in the Bible, y'all, so track with me. Judging disputes. That, that means when people didn't agree with each other, um, the, the, the priests helped judge that, right? Help judge. So in other words, community formation is, is tested when disputes have to be judged between God's people. 
All right, next. Prayer, say prayer. Yeah, spiritual life. Spiritual life, they help with our spiritual life. That, that, that's, that's, that's another part of the community formation that this was setting up regionally for the people of God in this text. Next, with spiritual life, was worship. Say worship. Yeah, Lord. Celebrating the goodness of God. That's what we, you got to learn how to celebrate the goodness of God. You, you got to, I, I told her early, uh, never mind, I'm getting ahead of myself. Celebrating the goodness of God, that has to be a part of, that has to be a part of our matrix. That, that people don't have to make you. Think about the goodness of the living God. And so celebrate the goodness of God. Also, a lifestyle identified. Meaning, meaning worship is not just an event. It's an identity. Jesus said the true worshipers of God will not just worship in different geographical areas, but the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth, right? And so it's an identity. And so now this identity of this worshiping community together, honoring, glorifying God, being identifiable and usable for what God wanted the people of God to do. Um, but then festive interaction. I like this. Now, when they had their festivals, that's when they had the festivals, special celebrations. See, we got away from that. But, but, but back then when they had Yom Kippur, Feast of Tabernacles slash Booth, and had all of the different celebrations, when they would come up, the Pilgrim Psalms, um, um, from about Psalm 120 to about Psalm, I can't remember, about 130-something, um, basically all of the 120s of the Psalms were Pilgrim Psalms in which people came together and they ate on their journey together and they went to Jerusalem and they sang those songs. They would sing, the leader, oh, watch, oh whew, it's just so beautiful. They would get up and the leader of the family would get out in front and he would begin saying, he would start singing, I will lift up my eyes to the hill. Then he would ask the congregate, the people that were coming with him, he said, where does my help come from? And they knew the song. They said, my help comes from the Lord. And then they would stop and look at Jerusalem and start crying and shouting and blessing the living God. Why? Because there was festal community where everyone celebrated the goodness of God and built relationship together around what we would now call a gospel community. All right? And so, and so that means, I, listen, I would like for us to, to, to take away gossip and slander and insert celebratory stuff. Anyway, I, I, need to, heck, I need to move. Anyway, relationship building. During this festive gatherings, there was relationship building. That means people built relationship. You couldn't be in a relationship with everybody, but somebody can be in a relationship with somebody. All right? So that means you, you just, I don't know anybody. No, you get to know somebody and be in, in relationship building. That's what this festive interaction was for. And commonality in the shared covenant, it's beautiful when you find somebody. Let me just give an example. Excuse me, other ethnicities, but I got to give this because this is the best illustration of it. Okay, when black people go to a place and there's nothing but white people, right? They see one black person. <laughs> they see one black person. I know, forgive me for the illustration, but y'all, listen. Hey! What's up, man? What's up, dog? What's up, man? You know, you like going like that, and it's, I don't know why black people do that, but, you know, he's like, dang, ain't none of us here. You know, we be saying that. You know how we do, right? So, use the illustration is for this. Come off that. The illustration is for this. Commonality and shared covenant, right? Is that sense of dag? Is we in like? Is there anybody else around? Right. That's what shared covenant does. It says, does anybody else live for God? 
In other words, when another believer senses, like I like that song, the Jesus and me loves the Jesus and you, right? In, in other words, there's a connection because of covenant in Christ. And therefore, because there's a famine of people who love him, the commonality of covenant draws them together in intimacy. And so that's what community formation does. But you got to actually like Jesus. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got to like Jesus for you to actually like Jesus and somebody else. So, again, and you got to be thankful for the new covenant in his blood. All right? And distinction. Distinction. In other words, there's a difference. There's a difference because of uh, the life of uh, uh, people's life through God. But then finally, financial responsibility. Uh Uh-oh, somebody hitting the door now. Financial responsibility. Financial responsibility, number one. No. Uh, (laughs) It's very, very important. When you look in the verse, when you look in verse 70, it says, Now some of the heads of the father's households gave to the work. Now, what the heads of the father's household and the governors would do, but mainly the heads of the households, what they would do is they would go throughout the families under his tutelage. And what they would do is they would collect resources that are representative of the resources from that family to give to God and give to the work of God. Now, this is, this is going to be very, 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 very important. Because we are going to have to develop in this. And we'll talk later about this, but there has to be some level of fiscal fiscal responsibility, uh, financial responsibility um, on us to be able to do this, which I'll talk about in a second. And, 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 and first off, it shows, it's showing gratitude for who the Lord is and what he does. Uh, you don't give just because you're going to get a blessing. Um, you're not, you don't give. I'm not promising you no car. If you want a car, go budget and look on, buy one. Um, I'm not promising you nothing. Um, I'm not promising. I, I, listen. If, that, if that's what you want here, get up, stand up in the line, and everybody come up, come up, come on, drop it at the feet of the mind of God, and doing all of that, that's not what this is. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, there's one over here, there's one over here, there's, I need a thousand people to give a thousand dollars right now, we're not going to do that. That's some punk ministry, all right? All right? What we want you to do is pray. Ask the Lord to give you guidance and you to consistently give regularly. Honor the Lord with the first of your wealth and recognize that he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Amen? Amen. So that's what we believe about giving. Okay? So in light of that, we need, it's first off, a, a, it's a heart thing with the living God. Okay? It's not a pressure thing with, with man. Right? Contributing to the worship of God and finally contributing to the meeting the needs a uh, 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 community needs, and, and, and that means around, uh, with us, and then contributing to full-time leadership, which the only way the Levites in these different towns were able to execute ministry was that they were able to be full-time and dedicate themselves fully to the tabernacle. You check on with me. All right. And, of course, for us, global missions. Global missions. Hospitality means a friend of strangers. At this point, actually, we're supposed to be up under resourcing the work of God, so I'm sorry. Um, so let's put resource and work of God on top of that. All right. Core convictions. What are our core convictions? Christocentrism. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Christocentrism. Second core conviction, commitment. Community. Conversions. Culturally relevant ministry. Now, these are core convictions. We don't say that this is the only thing that the Bible says, but we believe that this is a capsulation of uh, 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 of the scope of the scriptures. And so these are our core convictions as a ministry. So in light of that, we look at all that we just went through in the text because I want to extract from that some things as we talk about 
as we talk about our infrastructure, um, us understanding who we are, what we're supposed to be doing, and how do we better steward what the Lord has given us. Amen? It's very, very important that you understand that, and, you, and, we, and I understand that all as well. Um, our last year, what major accomplishments for 2011, we upped our game in prayer. I was thankful for that. I believe God helped us to become a more prayerful community of people. Um, commissioned Epiphany Camden. Amen, somebody. Y'all can celebrate. It's all right. Y'all can celebrate. Commissioned Epiphany Camden. Added a full-time pastor. Amen. Built a playground. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, added 25 deacons. Started an urban missions organization, which I'll talk about in a second. Over 100 new covenant community members. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, 100 people went through membership last year, completed it. Uh, we launched Thrive, which I'll talk about in a second, and held our first summit. Uh, we we uh, Men's discipleship stuff, weddings. There's a lot of weddings. People meet Jesus, meet one another, and have babies. I love that. I think that's like the best life story ever. To meet, oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you, baby. Baby, correct me. To meet Jesus, meet one another, get married, have babies. Flat out. Thank you, baby. My, my wife said, right there. Right, so weddings. I, I love weddings. Listen, and let me just say something real quick, and because I, I get to talk like I want to during these. Okay, I, I think it's good that you meet each other. Okay, meet, meet somebody in, in Jesus' name, in community, like them, and biblically approach them. Amen. Now, ladies, don't you approach them. I'm going to say that. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and finds favor with the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. So it's okay. So it's good. So, so, so that means the only thing God charges you to do, I wasn't supposed to preach on this part, be findable. Be findable. That means let Jesus work on you. Amen, amen, amen. And, and God will make you shine. Put yourself in a position to be found. Um, but don't be all up in his face trying to be seen and carrying on. All right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't try to act like you don't know what I'm talking about. All right? But be findable. The Bible says let the immaterial part of yourself be seen. Some of y'all got too much material or too little of it on. Um, anyway, weddings. I'm supposed to, dang, I'm supposed to, the state of the church address, right, baby? State of the church. So weddings, we want to see people get married, but don't be trying to holler at two or three chicks in the church, you know what I'm saying, and then mad, then wondering why they call you on the three-way trying to ask, you know, listen, weddings, right? So that, that's what I was supposed to talk about, weddings. We're glad that God blesses us with a bunch of weddings. But anyway, yeah, let me move on. Um, building repair, amen. Praise God. When we first moved in here, it was craziness, craziness, craziness. So we thank, we thank God, we thank Kevin for his work and and helping us with some of that, and so it's been great. Um, AC and heat. Amen. You know, you know, you know. My, my mama used to say she having a, a, a what she called it, a, what you call it, a personal summer. You know what I'm saying? Listen, we had a personal summer all summer, every summer. You know what I'm saying? So God got us AC heat. That's a big thing to celebrate. But many babies were born. I like that. Babies, little, little babies being born. Youth ministry launched. Amen. Um, what do we believe in God for? And we got several sectors of things that we believe in the Lord for, right? Um, making, in the disciple making, we're asking God to increase life groups to two-thirds of our Sunday morning gathering. 
So two-thirds of the people that come to 10 and 11.45 service, we, 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 want, we, we're shooting, we want everybody in, but we're not half there yet. So we need two-thirds of everyone to be in a life group. You can't get sick and, and be in the hospital and then talking about the church didn't do anything for me if you're not in a life group. I'm just telling you, we won't know. We will not know. And, 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 and that, that the first line of care is the life groups. So if you're not in a life group, it's going, that doesn't mean if you're not in a life group or you're a tender, we're not going to love on you. We're just saying, but to make sure that we're there quicker and know what's going on, life group is the way to go in relation to that. Um, Tiffany Cannon, health and stability, one of the things that the apostles would do, the apostles wanted to make sure that the churches were healthy once they were planted. Um, I would like to see 150 minimum baptisms this year. I, I like to see us. We, we about to buy a baptismal. Matter of fact, I um, want to thank, um, well, I, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. But anyway, we got a baptismal. I can't. Well, baptismal is going to be here soon, ASAP. It's a blessing. So we're going to be baptized, and I'm hoping 150 new converts to Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's an outward expression of an internal reality. So I'm charging us to get to work on leading people to Jesus. We'll be leading people to Jesus through many, many facets of things here. Um, the reason why we started doing the public, what, what is traditionally called an altar call, is because in this city, in this neighborhood, people aren't used to being approached another way. And so altar calls is culturally really a part of how they hear the gospel. And, um, uh, and, so, and, so the, and that's cool. H however, our, our desire is to clearly explain the gospel, not just say, come up, and people not knowing, they're just crying because they responded to God saying something generally to them, but not the gospel, making sure it's a right convert, all of that stuff we want to work through. But we also want to see not just that be the main place, um, but historically, a lot of you have led G people to Jesus, and so we'd like to see those baptisms at a, at a, at a, at a being 50 this year. Um, um, growth in 50 or more wise seasoned saints. Now, I say wise and seasoned because just because you got age on you doesn't mean you're wise. So, so we're not beating anybody up. We, we do need like 50 like older people because we got like 99% 20-somethings, right? And so 20 and 30-somethings. So we really need some seasoned saints that can get in and lock in and load to help with that. Amen, somebody. Our new believers class is going to be starting this year for new Christians. It's different than covenant community. It's for people who met Jesus Christ as Savior. And what we want to do is we want to begin walking with them. Uh, Brother Thomas is working on that for us. Um, ministry training class, which I'll be leading. I'm going to be shrinking what I do here uh, to focus more. Shrinking means I got too much on my plate, so I'm shrinking more of it. Um, one of the things that I, I, want, I would like to shrink is, well, I'll tell you in a second with that thing. But um, oh, um, elders will let me focus on vision, church planning, leadership development. Uh, uh, um, th th those are some major, 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 major pieces of things that we need to begin to focus me in on preaching and teaching. And lastly is writing. I have to spend probably the next 36 months really pumping out two or three things, several curriculums, books, resources uh, for people from urban missionaries every, and to congregants. And so be in prayer about that. And so I, that, that I really have to focus in on that, but also is ministry training. I want to start a ministry training class for those um, who sense a call to ministry. Um, I want to spend uh, most of my time spending time with people uh, 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 who, who, who have a sense of call on their life to full-time vocational ministry. We also want to strengthen men's and women's ministry here um, this year. We want to, to strengthen it, deepen it, 
um, relaunch the men's stuff, uh, help, help resource the women to make sure that they have all that they need to be able to do what God has called them to do. Because as we open up the women's area to more women in our city and our neighborhood, we're in an 80% community that has 80% single-parent homes, 90% of the fam uh, pregnancies and an abortion. We really need to amp up our help and aid of women, both in the church and outside of the church. Amen, somebody. Um, under disciple making also. Y'all still tracking with me? Uh, strengthen the Sunday morning worship passion. I don't know, I already I told off the first gathering. I love them to death, but they got to get their weight up on worshiping God. People in there not singing. And so we we, we, we want to be a, a, I know some of y'all aren't Christians. I know a few of y'all, y'all come, y'all just come, y'all not believers. But for those who are believers and have been forgiven, there should be no reason. There, there should be no reason. Listen, and oh, they getting all charismatic and traditional and bad. What does that have to do with anything? Um, um, uh, uh, what, what, what are you? Uh, help me, God. I'll tell you, I'll run all the way down to Gerard and run back around the park somewhere and come back up Diamond Street and jump in the window back in the pulpit. If somebody says one more thing about that, listen, we need to be a celebratory community with passion and for, and it's not cultural and it's not based on your wiring. I don't see that anywhere in any verse. Based on your wiring, you should worship like this and where is that in the Bible? I don't care what your Myers-Briggs, your disc. I don't care what it is. Let everything that have breath. Anyway, I got to move on. I move on. But listen, it ain't got nothing to do with that. That ain't the Bible. That's, that's, that's selfishness and entitlement. Amen. Entitlement doesn't worship. Entitlement says everything I have, I'm worthy of and I've earned. So God doesn't deserve worship because I did it for him to release it. But a person that's not entitled, that's a worshiper, recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And there's nothing in my hands. There's nothing that I have had. There's nothing that I do have. Oh, my God. Let me move. Deep in prayer life. Let me move. Strengthen. Strengthen follow-up. We got to strengthen our follow-up. It's a very, very, that's an extreme weak spot of ours. We're horrible at following up new Christians. Horrendously horrible, bad stewards of it. And so right now, we're developing a strategy to strengthen those things. We really need you guys to respond to these announcements when they're made because this is about community formation, uh, not just you getting fed. And so we need some people who know the gospel to follow people up. Amen. Our marriage conference I'm excited about. Um, we, amen, 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 amen. We need to get to 80% internal support, internally supported. I need to get off the road, y'all. Um, I, I, spend, I spend too much time raising money. It got real quiet in here. I, I, I spend too much time raising money from people that aren't in Philadelphia. And, um, and, um, and, and I'm believing God that God is going to help us to get our financial weight up so that I can focus on Epiphany Fellowship a lot more effectively. But I can't do that unless we're at full support. I shouldn't have to go out to Epiphany Fellowship this year and raise $100,000. have to raise $100,000 this year just for us to do what God has called us to do. There will always be some way in which people will be blessing us and that type of thing, but I really, really pray that we would get to full support, and I know that's a part of, a little bit of a part of my role, but that I, I shouldn't be focusing so much. I mean, literally, the first quarter alone, I'm, I'm traveling hundreds of hours, and so I want to be able to focus on my wife, my children. I want to be able to focus on the local church more effectively, and God is blessed that, that, that that's been intact, but I do want to subtract the amount of times that I travel. Amen, somebody. And so internal support is very, very important. We want to point to more elders this year. Our city investment stuff now. Neighborhood park. Amen. So outside is going to be an entire neighborhood park. 
um, um, we, we, I want you to be praying for this. This is very, very important for you to be praying about. This hasn't gone through, but we need you praying, 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 praying. We're, we're trying to secure through the city the rear lot, and God has opened up some doors for that. And so we want you guys to make sure that you be praying for the back lot because we're going to fence it off, have it as an entire city park for our neighborhood, for a safe place for kids to play. Um, next is third floor will be becoming our youth and children's wing fully. We have the resources in now to be able to rehab that entire area. Um, after school programs starting next month, summer camp starting this summer. Um, we're going on a Maui trip led by Pastor Larry. We're really, really excited about the Maui trip, the end of July. Um, we also um, started an organization that I told you guys about as I'm landing the plane um, called Thriving. Thriving is a, a network of churches that are for people, especially ethnic minorities, but people in general who have a passion to develop churches and do ministry in the urban context. And so um, 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 so bring on, we want to bring on, and, and, and the resources are looking like they're going to be there for us to bring on a new church planter July 1st. And we want to plant this church planter uh, it by 2014. So that means we'll be able to plant another church. Again, it may look like we may be able to plant two. So it would be great to go from one to multiplication to multiplication. Can you imagine God helping us to plant churches all over the country in contexts like this uh, to see the gospel? Y'all can praise God about that. To get out, I know we've been long, but long today is, y'all know we're not usually long. Y'all know state of the church is a little longer. So we want to see that happen. Um, not, not only that, um, at Summit this year is October 12th through the 13th. It's called Reconciling All Things. We're expecting 300 people. It's going to sell out. So we're about to put it online in two weeks. Our registration will start to be $75. Um, the people that will be there is Dr. Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. Crawford Ritz, Dr. John Perkins, Dr. Carl Ellis, and uh, a little old dude in the back end to say a little something. So we're going to have a good time. We're going we're to have a good time really uh, people are coming from all over the world to come to this time to be trained, to be resourced and developed for gospel ministry. Do you understand what God is trying to do here, right? This is very, very important for us. And so in light of that, uh, keep this lifted, keep your eyes peeled. We are looking like we are possibly going to have virtual theological education here at Epiphany Fellowship this year where you will be able to get a master's degree in ministry. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. And it'll be live, live interactive, live interactive, and the cost, the, I mean, the level of teaching that's going to happen with the cost is bananas. So the Lord is up to some stuff. I want you to keep it lifted in prayer. It's going to be crazy to be able to see the Lord do that. And, and, and men and women getting their theological education here. I can't wait. Um, we got roundtables. This is it, our roundtables. We got a bunch of them going on. Philly, we're having one in a few weeks. Um, had one in Raleigh, 15 people was expected, 40 pastors came to that um, under leadership of Dr. Um, Brother Jerome Gay, Pastor Jerome Gay. Houston Crossovers running our infrastructure. Um, they're mentoring several pastors that have seen massive amounts of spiritual growth and numerical growth in their ministries there in Houston. And so um, we're having one in Philly on the 24th of this month. And so I'm excited. How many of you are excited about what God is up to? God is up to. God is up to a bunch of stuff. It's not about a person on earth. It's about the person that's at the right hand of God in heaven. And so we want you to keep these things lifted up. But, you know, one of the funny things about God is the Bible, the Bible talks about God doing above all you ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. And so if we're praying about these things, what's interesting is God usually goes above what you ask. 
And so I pray that God will go above and beyond this. I love it when God uses his people beyond their resources, beyond their gifts, and beyond their strength. Because at the end of the day, the glory ultimately goes to him.